When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Give each other $20, okay? Put it on Underhill. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. <laughs> Here's Zubac. Hands it to KCP for three. It's good! And the Lakers up 117-110 with a minute 10 to go in the game. Here go the Bulldogs. They have one more chance. Ten seconds left. And- oh, I thought that was different. What was I, saw, that? I, saw, I saw Denver wins, and I thought it was Nuggets. No. <laughs> that was to introduce our next guest okay. at 10-15. All right. I, I got jumpy there. I saw Denver wins, and thought oh, it's a basketball. Uh-huh. Highlight. See? One chair. All of a sudden, you start firing everything there is. See what happens? You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com. Oh, no. Don't uh, The do Purple this. Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes. You 10 guys, to uh, noon with, uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. <laughs> See? Guy gets hold of button by all of a sudden. That's never not going to be hilarious. Insincere, well, Judd. It is lots of fun. <laughs> lots of fun. Lots of fun on Saturday morning. So much fun. I need some more coffee. Uh, so Go ahead. Sorry. Playoff landscape for you here. Timberwolves. And John Butchergrass is going to come hang out with us, talk some college hockey, wild hockey, whatever we want to get into with Bucci Maine. But last night, New Orleans, I'm sorry, I yeah, D- Denver won a couple nights ago against the Pacers. So mm-hmm. New Orleans last night, Absolutely took care of business at home against Memphis. They smoke Memphis. Imagine that. San Antonio. Yeah, right. San Antonio lost to the Lakers, which scrunches everything together even more. Now, again, remember the Wolves' advantage. They own most of, if not all, the tiebreakers against most of these teams. San Antonio, the head-to-head tiebreaker. I believe San Antonio is two and one against the Wolves this year. So, if if it went head-to-head, just those two teams, San Antonio would have the tiebreaker. But the Wolves have have the conference record tiebreaker and the head-to-head tiebreaker against New Orleans, Oklahoma City, maybe Denver, depending. Um, well, actually, they will have it against Denver because, at worst, they're going to be 2-2, two and two, and the second tiebreaker is conference record. So, right now, you have San Antonio, Oklahoma City, the Wolves, and New Orleans, all with 34 losses. So they're <laughs> all even right now yep. in the loss column. Denver has 35 losses, but plays Minnesota, obviously, twice in their last few games here. So the way this works, again, if the Wolves finish 2-2, two and two, let's give them losses against the Nuggets. If they finish 2-2, two and two, and they'd still have to finish behind these teams, like they'd have to finish behind Oklahoma City, behind New Orleans, and behind Denver. If, if, if they wind up in a tie, the Wolves have most of these tiebreakers. But So if they just go 2-2, two and two, here's how it works now. Denver would have to go 4 0, including beating the Wolves twice. New Orleans would need to go 3 1. They play Phoenix, Golden State, Clippers, 
and San Antonio. So that's kind of a tough sled. Oklahoma City would have to go 2-1 and one against Houston on the road, Miami on the road, and then Memphis at home. And the Spurs would have to go 1-2, and two, Portland, Sacramento, and New Orleans. All right. So it's still like there's a 90% chance, according to these projection sites, that the Wolves will make it through this to the playoffs. But after watching the Lakers beat the Spurs last night and you have to play at the Lakers, they're still fighting. They're not tanking. They're still trying to beat teams. Yeah, they're going to, yes. So it depends on when Jimmy Butler comes back and what he can give you, having missed the last two months with a knee injury and surgery. But things definitely got a little tighter. Now, now on the other side, if they win some games here and Butler comes back, the 4-5 matchup is still very much in play, and a Utah-Minnesota 4-5 matchup, Ricky Rubio matchup, 4-5 is still in play. So, yeah. like, you've got missed the playoffs over here. You also have a 4-5 matchup that you could maybe win in a seven-game series with Butler back on the other side. So the Wolves have four games left. you got to figure the Denver games will be extremely competitive. The Lakers on the or road. Maybe the, not if Butler's not playing, well, to be honest with you. They should be competitive. The Lakers game on the road will be an actual game. I believe on Monday night, and I tread lightly here because they, they beat them last time, but I believe on Monday night Memphis will try and lose that game. I want to say Gasol was having a big game a couple nights ago, and they yanked him out in the fourth quarter. So I think J.B. Bickerstaff has basically been yeah. told, stop with this. I'm we're not ju- we're not judging you I think on this. 0-4 is, an, is a yes. not. Like there's, they're not going to go so they're gonna win. So they're going to win the Memphis game. Now, what, what you brought up, though, which scares you about these Denver games is, is this. Denver shoots the three really well. The Wolves don't defend the you three You don't defend well. the three. And by the way, if you fall behind on the three, you also don't have the type of team that's going to come back and start matching threes. So so it's not going to be Denver makes a three because you can't defend that three. You come down and make a three. Yeah, It's going to be you make a two. And the problem with Denver, and, and this is the same case with Houston too, but like some teams have a couple guys who can bomb threes. And if those guys are cold on any given night, like the Wolves. The Wolves have Carl Anthony Towns can bomb some threes, and uh, you know maybe like Bealitz is going to get hot and shoot some threes. Jamal once Crawford on right. nights he's hot, but there's only like two or three guys, and if none of them are hot or if they're well defended, then they're just not going to. The Nuggets have like six yeah. guys who bomb threes, and two of them are for sure going to be hot on any given night, which is why they're one of the five best three point shooting teams in the NBA. So it's, you're going to have to win. You're going to have to score a lot of points to beat this team. So this is put at ninety percent. As someone who knows this franchise very well and watches it, what do you, and and I'm not looking for doomsday, but realistically, what do you put the Wolves' playoff chances at? I mean, it's it's not 90 in my mind for sure, but I'm not going to go doomsday either. I also, you know, I think it's, it's pretty high. Like, I think it's, I think it's 75% plus, but that's not a sure thing. I don't love their chances against Denver without Jimmy Butler. And even if Jimmy Butler comes back for the second game against Denver, how long is he going to take to get into the flow? Like, is he going to shoot three for 15 because he hasn't yeah. played in an NBA game and in two go- months? And how much you are you going to even be able to play him in, let's say, that first game back? Yeah. I'm sure 40 minutes will, will still be in play. Jimmy! Jimmy! But, so I think what I'm, what I'm most rooting for, now that I've had 24 hours to think about your question... I would love a 4-5 matchup if they could get up, if they could, let's say they go like 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one, and some of these other teams with tougher schedules trip up, like the Spurs trip up, they have a, they have a couple tough games. A 4-5 matchup against Utah in a seven-game series, 
Wouldn't that be fun? It would Edgy be. Edgy Ricky Rubio. It would be fun. Jimmy Butler back for the playoffs. It would be fun. That would be awesome. Now, now with with the way the Jazz defend, I think you would be. I it would go six games, I believe. Utah's a better team, and right the Jazz now for sure. would win. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it it would be fun. Here's the only non-fun part of that equation: if Rubio sticks it to you, and the amount that we would have to hear about it, because people Im- <laughs> imagine the the Rubiosos out there. The Rubiosos. <laughs> I told you Jeff Teague sucks and Ricky was the man. And you know what? Good for Ricky. I'm glad he's doing well. But I don't know that I want to hear, let's say, six games worth of that and then how this was the biggest mistake. Because I still I still don't love him. Well, the, you know what? The Wolves, this is what we can we can prove the theory because you and I have been on the, not the anti-Rubio wagon, but just like pump the brakes on the Rubio love wagon. If they ever were to get into a playoff series, which, by the way, he's never played a playoff game. He's been in the NBA for like seven years, and this this is going to be his first playoff series. You're going to pack the paint. I mean, you're going to make you're going to make him beat you taking shots, which he did on Sunday. And he's done and he's done that yes, a couple times. He's gotten better. He at actually that. scored thirty points in whoever they they played someone the other night too, and he scored like thirty. But points. can he do that in a long series? I don't know. Well, you're. It would be fun to find out. It would be really fun to see what happens in that series. You would draw fouls too, but I would abuse him. I would absolutely abuse him because he gets hurt. I I think he no, he, you, wait, he twists. You take him out like Jeff, twi- Jeff Teague tried about, to do that. Think about Jeff the amount. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Ago. Oh yeah, I would take him out. Think about the <laughs> amount of times he twists his ankle and goes down. You would down. legitimately try to hurt him. You just said I he would, gets hurt a lot. I would legitimately abuse. <laughs> I would physically in game one and two abuse him. Yes, I would abuse him. You'd have. Would you I would rag like elbows like Jeff Galuli yes. style. I would do everything I could. I would do everything I could because. He's a guy who loves to hit the court and flop around in that European crap. I would abuse him for two games. First two games, I would definitely do that. I feel that. like you just took it a little far there. But no, 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 okay. no. No, I'm serious. That would be, yeah. if I'm the Wolves, that would be my MO going into that series would be if he's going to beat us with his shooting, he's going to do it while being physically abused. Okay. No question. So you agree with Tom Thibodeau. They just have to be physically tougher. I think that there is physically a, tougher. I think that there's a lot of I think there's point Toughness. guards out there who could put up with, with that and it wouldn't phase them and I think there's guys like Ricky who would definitely be phased by it. Yeah, he d- he definitely gets thrown off his game, but yes. I don't think that's been as big of a problem in Utah, but I, he he was very I, quick to pout and to get thrown out. off his game. I yeah. find out in the playoffs. What's that? What's going on? Hello friends. Let's throw it to Dave Harrigan who's sitting at the 1500 ESPN Masters update desk. Hello, David, gentlemen, great Hi, to see you on this. Hello, Dave. Beautiful Thursday morning here, <laughs> Babbling Brook National. Yeah, splendid. The Babbling Brook is frozen. Azaleas. No, they're dead. We are still throwing it back at the top of the leaderboard through five holes. VJ Singh. Wow. Two shots clear of the field at three under par. Are you sure you're not reading a leaderboard from 2001 right now, Dave? It gets more odd. Because right behind him, two shots back, and alone in second place at one under par, you will see the name of Mark O'Meara. I feel like this might be what? an outdated leaderboard that you are Those checking. Those are the only two players currently on the minus side of par. Something. You will find several even par, including Wesley Bryan, Sergio Garcia, our reigning Masters champion, mm, yes. Yes. Eldrick Tiger Woods, Jason Duffner, and a host of other players at the Masters. Ah, well, ESPN right now, actually, on Masters YouTube. 
Masterhomes.com and the show you Masters app. Three hours of coverage basically later today. It won't be Tiger Woods. John Buchigras is going to come in here and uh, drop some hockey knowledge in the 1500 ESPN studio, the TCL broadcast studio. And we are watching the Masters. Well, not the actual tournament. We're watching like the surrounding uh, practice green stuff and the driving range stuff on Golf Channel. The driving range. Yes, on a TCL 55 inch Roku TV with built in connectivity to 4,000 streaming channels. In fact, if you have. Let's say you got cable or satellite, whatever whatever it is that you subscribe to. You've got all your cable slash satellite channels on one menu. And then, like, on the next page, you get access to all kinds of streaming options, whether it's YouTube or you can watch the Masters feature groups. Or maybe uh, if you're in the WrestleMania mood this weekend, WWE Network on Sunday. That's what I'm going to be doing with my built-in Roku device. Go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities to find out why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. You can also stop uh, by the website, tclusa.com. And, uh, again, if you're not watching sports on a TCL TV, you're missing out. This would be the weekend to jump in. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. Here go the Bulldogs. They have one more chance. Ten seconds left. Anderson in front. Bodies down. Anderson bad angle shot. The puck is wide. Four seconds. Another bank shot. It's loose. All right, Mackie and Judd, tonight at the XL Energy Center, the Frozen Four semifinals, uh, 5 o'clock local time, UMD and Ohio State on ESPN2, and then Michigan-Notre Dame is the late game at 8.30, also on ESPN2, and then the national championship is on Saturday, 6.30 p.m., on ESPN, John Buchigras in the house. What's going on? Good to be here. Good morning. Good to see you. Good it's re- morning. It's really uh, baseball weather today. It's hockey weather. <laughs> so we got opening yeah. day and uh, and the Frozen Four. So we're looking forward to it. What um, we were just talking before you got in here. What? How did you develop such a love for for college hockey? And and what what started your passion with college hockey? Well, I always loved hockey. Hockey. Uh, my dad, I was raised on the game with my dad. He was a Boston guy who raised us in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And uh, actually, the first time I got, and so I, you know, it, and obviously it was mainly the NHL, but my uh, first TV job was on Cape Cod. I was there for five years. And I went to Providence, Rhode Island for two years at an ABC affiliate. And they had the Frozen Four in 1995. It was a cool two years there. I, I was only there two years, but I got to go to you know Red Sox opening day and cover Bill Parcells training camps with wow. the Patriots and <laughs> and Tiger Woods second U.S. amateur in a row was at Newport Country Club in Rhode Island. The first X Games was in Rhode Island, and uh, the the uh, Frozen Four was in Providence 1995. BU won, and that that was my first really uh, exposure to that. It was just so cool. The bands and all the jerseys and the doubleheader Thursday, and it was. Really cool. So it was almost like someone who obviously loved hockey since the day he was born kind of had this whole new album, whole new music genre, whole new whatever, the same sport, but totally different culture and totally different uh, vibe. So it was it was really cool, and that kind of stuck with me. And then eventually ESPN, I started asking to do the our NCAA tournament covers, the regional stuff. And um, and then the Frozen Four. This will be my sixth one. Yeah, I, I think the cool thing about this too, John, is the amount of people who come back every year. Right, the faces are always the same, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's it's a cult sport. But I, I say that in a in a good way 
that every year the same people come back and they come back and you, you can basically set your calendar to the fact that for those three or four days, you, you'll see the folks that you saw a year ago at the Frozen Four, whether that would have been in Philadelphia or Boston or Chicago. Right, yeah. They, a lot of people will make plans, even if their team doesn't make it, they'll still come and they'll still go to the games and they'll still come to these interesting cities. And I'm sure they prefer it being Tampa this year, but, uh, you know, with the warmth factor, but, um, you know, Minneapolis is a great city. And so, yeah, so you'll see those jerseys, you'll see North Dakota jerseys here, even though they're not here. And uh, that, that, that is, it's, it's re- very rich, re- really interesting texture to it. Speaking of t- Tampa though, how, how much have you seen th- this game grow? I remember when they first went to, I want to say, John, it was California. People said, that'll a frozen foreign Anaheim, California. Yeah, yeah it's, that's the stupidest idea ever. <laughs> I covered the one in Tampa a few years back, and it was sold out, I think, oh, yeah. and really fun. So in, in your time of going to this event, how much have you just seen a, a growth in in the interest and in the people that follow college hockey? Yeah, it's been pretty, you know, once I, my first one was in Pittsburgh in 2013 when Yale won. And uh, it, it was, you know, by then, you know, the NHL or the NCAA only goes to NHL cities now. And so it's, you know, they go to these great big venues and they're beautiful and they're NHL rinks. And so it was, it was pretty much a fine-tuned machine I noticed uh, since then. But uh, yeah, then Philadelphia and uh, Chicago last year, Tampa Bay, like you mentioned, Tampa, they host great championships in any sport. That's a really cool setup with the rink there and the outside uh, amphitheater, and it, it's just a great setup for a championship. And the you know, the Lightning are one of the best run organizations in the NHL now, yeah. owner, GM, coach, superstar. Uh, so it, it's a great place to hold a championship. I was hoping with this next round that they would be in the, every four years. Let's go to Tampa. Let's go. <laughs> but they didn't get the cut. It's, it's Detroit, Boston, Chicago, and Pittsburgh, which are four great hockey cities. Mm-hmm. So you, you like to come to a great yeah. hockey city like you know, like St. Paul. Uh, so we're we're Don Lucia on the way out after two decades, uh, two national championships in the early 2000s, and Bob Motzko leaving uh, mm-hmm. a place that he played, a place he's coached at in St. Cloud State, to come coach the Gophers. So it's a little bit like we. Our Minnesota sports teams, we have this this huge bin of Twins, Vikings, Wolves, Wild, where we're just fearing the worst all the time, and <laughs> and, it's, and it's always disaster endings. But with Gopher Hockey, it's kind of our Yankees here, where mm-hmm. if they're not winning championships, then coaches are on hot seats, and, and there's a lot of criticism. So do you think the Gopher Hockey team, what do you think expectations should be with the current college hockey landscape? And do you think Bob Motzko is a good hire? He's a great hire. He's one of the best coaches in the country. He'll energize it. He's an ultra competitive, uh, ultra, a lot of juice behind him, and he's he's a good good guy to bring in right now. I think that's a terrific hire. You couldn't do any better than him. Um, and yeah, there's way more depth in college hockey. You know, when you see these, we do the stat packs and the most national championships. You know, Michigan nine, and, and you know Boston College and Minnesota. They got a little head start on everybody. And yeah. there, you know, there weren't as many schools. There's only a few that were producing, a few states that were even producing players, Massachusetts and, you know, in Minnesota. And uh, primarily, now we get college kids from California, Plano, Texas, Estero, Florida. They're playing Division One, getting full ride scholarships. So, yeah, it's a whole different landscape now. You're going to see more teams kind of go up and down a little bit, just like in all the major fours because of the salary cap era now. And the draft rules are obviously, you know, not weighted like they were in the past to the Canadians or to the Yankees or things like that. It's, you know, it's a pretty standard draft system. Salary cap system, scholarship cap system, and uh, so yeah, you're gonna see much more, much more uh, up and down. Not these dynasties, but you'll see Minnesota get good here. And uh, this is this was a great hire, and and you'll see a result soon, I believe. 
What what in your mind is the uh, perception of the Big Ten? Because here we're still upset. You know, the, the Gophers were in the WCHA right. against North Dakota and St. Cloud State and the yep. Bulldogs forever. It's still taken us some time to process that. But if you look at this Frozen Four, three of the four teams are from that conference. Mm-hmm. And, and the initial knock, John, against that conference was it's not good, which is not true now. So just nationally, from your perspective, what's the perception of where Big Ten hockey stands today without the the bias here of, well, they took the golfers away from the WCHA? <laughs> right. And I can understand that for people who you know love tradition and love things not to change too much. But obviously life is change. That's what life is all about. And we have to accept it. And I like the Big Ten from the get-go because of the Big Ten network and because a lot of college hockey games would be on TV. Ten years ago, when I could find a college hockey game that was in high definition on TV, it was yeah. like Christmas. <laughs> Couldn't find one. Now, when they came along, I knew, obviously, they started a Big Ten hockey conference because of the television network. That's why it was started. They need content. But they do double headers. It's in, it, They're beautifully done, professionally done. And then suddenly, CBS stepped up, and they do a lot of college hockey. ESPN, for the first time that I was there, started doing regular season games, like four games a year, you know? And so now you can find college hockey games every weekend. And I really do think the Big Ten helped that, pushed people. And I'm sure all the other hockey conferences would love to have a contract and get more games on TV, get more exposure kids can watch. But yeah, now there's great coaches in the Big Ten. All those schools that were down now are on the rise. Wisconsin's got huge talent coming in. Michigan State's going to go back up again. Michigan's always going to be good, you know. Obviously, Penn, the Penn State program is just obviously caught everyone by surprise. You know, I'm not surprised. I, I thought they'd be successful quickly uh, because of of the rank and the money behind it, and their and their geography being close to Canada, being close to New England, being close to Jersey, being close to Western and Eastern Pennsylvania. They got all kinds of talent to draw from, and they sell out every game. Seventy in a row, they yeah, sold out. Yeah, you know, sixty five hundred people. It's the only other sport on campus that makes money at Penn State outside football is the hockey team. They make money. And uh, so, yeah, it, I think you know it, it's been really good for college hockey and uh, because of the exposure in media. How, how much, uh, and this, this is probably segues into ESPN and the NHL and that relationship from 10 years ago shifting over to NBC Sports Network, but mm-hmm. how much does media coverage drive popularity or lack thereof with hockey or, or vice versa in your mind? Like if you were to put the NHL back on ESPN, would, would the NHL's popularity go up nationally, or is that a fallacy? I think it would a little bit for sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's easier to find the games. They're on your bars. They're on your. They're on your hotel rooms. Yeah. You know, so that's not all, always the case. They're on now. your like fitness equipment, right? Like if there's 25 <laughs> channels, like ESPN's one of them, and sometimes you know the other channels work aren't, out. right? Yeah. yeah you, you, work would, out you, would more. Get, you would get. You would get. I'd go back to the gym. Actually, yeah. Just squats. Yeah, squats <laughs> in the room all the time. But yeah, like I, like I had no golf channel in my hotel room here, yeah. so I was I wanted to watch the live from the Masters coverage. I couldn't, but you know, ESPN's pretty much on every hotel bar, every hotel room, and so yeah, I, I think I know the, I I think I hope our relationship rekindles in a few years when the contract's up in three or four years, and and we're we're starting to do things coming up soon here. We're doing more hockey related content and different platforms that we have at at ESPN. So I think it's a relationship that that's that's. Uh, on demand and growing, and I, I think they'll be a part of our, our future. I hope I hope they are. It's a great product, and we and we have so many people who love the game, and uh, and we and you know we show it with this weekend. It's, this is an incredible broadcast that we do, um, doubleheader today, and then the final on Saturday. This is the best people. It, it's just a great team to be a part of. Could they do it where? And I, I've said this since they they left you. Could they do a contract like the NBA does? 
that's the one thing I don't get. Me neither. Yeah. If, if you had, yeah. let's say you just had a game of the week or two, and NBC took the bulk of games. Right. I don't understand why why this league continues. If, if it's good enough for basketball, I say it's good enough for hockey. Why not have ESPN get a cut? That doesn't mean that they have to get the entire contract, right. but just get a game or two per week. Yeah. Well, and obviously we're in the net, we're in the business of sports programming. We'd I'm sure we'd love that. We, that I mean, makes sense though, right? right? But it's the one sport you can't afford. To have exclusive coverage of, you know, you can't you can't afford it in the NBA. That it's too too big a pot. We can't afford that much money. And obviously, the NFL is on five different networks because every game in the NFL is national. So sure, that's yeah, diff- that's sure. diff- that's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with the NBA, it's it's too expensive for one network to get the whole thing. They could, but they wouldn't make any money. So yeah, so you know, you can afford to get the entire hockey package for whatever you know NBC pays two hundred million a year or whatever. You know, you're not talking billions a year. So you can afford the exclusivity. So I understand. I guess that does have. Um, uh, you know, an attraction to executives and, and, to, and to advertisers, perhaps. But yeah, I hope in the future, Ken, these should be on as many networks as possible, you would think. Absolutely. But again, I'm, that's not my area. Right. We're not wearing suits in this room. We're, <laughs> no, yeah. we're not. Yeah. John, but we all have ideas. Yes, we yes. do. Yes. Listen to our ideas. John Butchergrass hanging out with us. Frozen Four at the X starting tonight, 5 o'clock UMD in Ohio State, and the Michigan Notre Dame after that around 8 30. Both those games on ESPN2 and then the national championship game on uh, Saturday night at 6.30. Let's come back. We can talk some wild NHL playoffs coming up. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. What are you trying to prove here anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement. Mackie and Judd. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is. It's pissing me off. On 1500 ESPN. Back to the point. Hands the shot. Got Rebound score. Andre Kasha has his 20. Well, I thought the the first two periods were really good. I mean, they got a fluke goal to tie it up, I thought. Um, but uh, uh, the third period, they definitely outworked us, you know. But it was um, a great test, and we talked about that this is what playoff hockey is going to be like. Like, they were in the third period as, desperate, you know, a desperate hockey club. And, and uh, maybe it's a cheap lesson learned, hopefully. Yeah, 3-1 loss for uh, the Wild after all of us went to bed last night, but... These game, Usually we're sweating these games because the Wild are trying to make a furious rally to the finish just to get in. Uh, but they're in, and this West Coast road trip is more of a tune-up. John Butchergrass is hanging out with us here. Uh, the Frozen Four is in town at the XL Energy Center. Semifinals tonight, 5 o'clock and 8.30, and then the national title game on Saturday. ESPN2 tonight, and then uh, ESPN. So... The Wild, it's been the same story for five years, first or second round exits. Now mm-hmm. Ryan Suter's out for the playoffs yeah. and maybe even for the beginning of next year. But is there any 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 hope of our Wild going deep, second, third round? Or is it uh, same old story, do you think? Well, certainly second round is possible. I mean, Winnipeg is going to be their opponent, and that's going to be a tough one, obviously. That team is loaded. Uh, great home ice advantage, and they can score. They can pump them in. So you know, that's going to be a major challenge. So if they were to beat them, that would that would be a big upset. And uh, to and to get to the second round, that would obviously be a pretty big accomplishment. But you know, hockey's funny. You have goalies; they can get hot. They can steal things. Guys can come out of nowhere. Uh, the guys you expect to do well can have a big playoff series. Then one or two guys you don't expect much from pump a couple into. So it's possible, but it's not quite setting up probably like they had hoped to, to play this this team. Winnipeg is really loaded. I think the key thing, John, is this: if you go to Winnipeg and get Game One, yep, I. I heard the stat last night. Their collective roster, playoff experience-wise, is really low. And I don't think Hellenbeck, their goaltender, has ever played in a playoff game. Mm -hmm. So that would be the one thing. If you could go there and get one game 
and they start to grab the sticks a little bit tight, that that would be your chance. No I doubt. Think. Yeah, because you know, like these games are close and they're tight. And yeah, Hellenbuck, he was actually we had him in a frozen, my first frozen four in Pittsburgh. He was there, the goalie for UMass Lowell, and uh, he's turned into a nice find for that. Was their missing piece for them was getting that goaltender to go along with all that talent and get a little mm-hmm. more defensive structure. So yeah, like I said, hockey's anything's possible. We've had president, you know, trophy winners lose in the first round, defending Stanley Cup champions lose in the first round. So it's the one sport where uh, goalies just make. It's just totally different. It's a huge variable. Yeah. Uh, potential first round series that intrigues you the most. That's the thing is they're none. That's the only one that's set up. You know, the, the other ones are they're, they're still moving around because of you know not everything's done. Um, certainly, you know, a shark, duck, all California is kind of interesting. For a while there, I was kind of hoping a, a Bruins Maple Leafs one, but looks like now it might be Tampa and Toronto, which is still a great opening series. One of those teams is gone. Was was but right. the, the last time Boston and Toronto a few years ago wasn't that a, a down three zero comeback series? It was. Uh, well, they were down. What, four nothing in the four game or one something. in the third period. That's and what they it came was. Back and won an overtime. Patrice okay. Bergeron. Yeah, that was a that was a Toronto heartbreaker. I like Columbus and Pittsburgh. It's a neat little rivalry. People aren't probably aware of it in the whole country. You know, uh, it, it's obviously they can drive three hours back and forth, and the and the fans, especially a lot of Penguin fans in Columbus because they move there uh, over time. But so that yeah, there's there's you know with a new NHL format, you have some juicy first round matchups. These two three games. Um, are you know usually pretty good? Yeah. One one thing I on Bruce Boudreau, he's been such a wonderful regular season coach, and he's obviously he had Ovechkin for a while. It helps to have some of the teams he's had, but I hate the narrative that he either he can't win in the postseason because <laughs> hockey's so volatile sometimes in the postseason where you you know he his record in game sevens is held against him. Okay, well those are the best teams in the world, and it's a one game hockey sample size, and we're right. going to hold it against him because he's like one in five or one in six. So I would just like to see him change the narrative because I think he's a great coach, personally. Right. Yeah, I mean, Mike Babcock has, you know, one Stanley Cup. People treat him like he's Einstein, that he invented the game. Bas- you know, yeah. hockey inventor, Mike Madden, Babcock. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah right. right. <laughs> hockey founder, Mike Babcock. Yep. And uh, so it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to win. And they've had chances. They've had, you know, they had good teams in Washington, not quite complete teams. Ovechkin always shows up. It's not his fault. He scores Every game he plays in regular season, preseason, postseason, his, you know, his numbers are monster in the, in the postseason. Like it's just that little thing. And you know when the Penguins got, you know the Penguins got Crosby, Capitals got Ovechkin, but then the Penguins also got Malkin the next year, you know, and back to back drafts. And then that just puts them just a little bit up. They're playing with one extra golf club in their bag. You and, know, then yeah, and, and, they, and then they get Kessel, and then get who happens to be a, a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah. And, and what a, what a trade that was, and that, and that can give you your franchise that rebirth. You know. They're, a lot of teams have expectancies, then they drop off. But to get a trade like that, to kind of, and you know, at the time, no one thought much of it. But uh, yeah, that that can rejuvenate your team to get another run, which they had. They had the two more cups. The team that I that I would love to play, Vegas. It's a great story, mm-hmm. but but we but ones in this league are susceptible to first round exits yeah. a lot. Yep. And I think it's been such a good story, but. You know, Fleury's past as a goaltender has certainly been questionable in the playoffs, John. Yeah, it's up and down. Yeah. And and eight and eight seeds or the the last seed in in a conference as we saw with the Predators last year is not necessarily a bad team. I think that would be the team to play because I think that's a team that's largely going to say it's been a great year and maybe slip up. Yeah, well, and, and they might get the Ducks or the Kings teams with uh, you know veteran teams. Yep. If you know if Colorado's that last team with two games to go, they got that one point lead. They'd play Nashville. And then, like like you said, Vegas would get would get either the Ducks or the Kings. That would be a tough one for them. Um, but man, they're fast, and Flurry is having his best year of his career. Uh, you know, his numbers it's unbelievable. He's actually a Vezina guy. Might not win because he hasn't played enough games. But 
that team is, you know, it's just a, William Carlson is just unbelievable. I mean, the Columbus played him every game the last two years. He scored like eight goals a year. So, you know, they kept pumping him out there. So they saw something in practice. Yeah. And then this year he gets 40 or 43 from mm-hmm. eight. Yeah. And what do you pay him? His contract's up. You know, yeah. who are you? Are you eight or you're 43? So right. that's a, that, that's an amazing, amazing story. Hey, how did how and when did you start the, the Twitter overtime challenge game? I was right around 2010. Uh, you know, we used to do it on early a- Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. About a year after I joined, because we did on NHL tonight. We'd throw a dollar on the set, like us three right here. We're watching the game, waiting for it to end, and then our show is on after the game, so we have to wait. Now and we put a dollar on our the set here and say, "You pick one guy in each team. I'll pick one guy. And if your guy scored, you take the other two bucks and you put it in your pocket. You start the show. Yeah. If no one scored, you put your dollar back in your pocket. Start the show. So just a little way to pass the time, you know. And um, and so I figured I just did it on Twitter one night just for fun. Yeah, I'll retweet 10 people. This was when retweeting was high currency on right, Twitter. Right, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Butch, yeah. retweeted me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, retweeted I, I couldn't believe the I'm response by the second time or third time I did. I go, wow, I'm gonna, maybe I'll make some T-shirts and we'll sell yeah. them and give it away to charity. And then, then yeah, I'll do, okay, I'll, I'll take a chance. I'll buy some T-shirts. And it just it's just amazing. See, there was a time up. when Twitter was much more fun and like people having fun and connecting. <laughs> and now it's like everyone's trying to get shots in and stuff. But <laughs> I like, know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, thought it might, I thought it might die out by now, but it's still, the, the people still looking forward to it and the other people want to be involved you know bauer wants to be involved and if a guy uses a bauer stick one of the people gets a bauer stick that he used you know that they'll, they'll send to him and it's uh it's really it's really it's actually a lot of work i keep piling work <laughs> on my, you know this isn't a job you know i just got to just yeah can we give away like every overtime high yeah. school overtime games all right put yeah. you challenge you got crazy. merchandise yeah. now yeah <laughs> college hockey yep. all that merchandise yeah exactly all right. Okay. Let's sh- everyone. Hello, friends. Uchi is a golf fan. Okay. Hello. We're watching. Hello, friends. The Masters. Hello. Babbling Brook. Azaleas. Hello. Hello, friends. Oh, do you know Jim Nance at all? <laughs> Never met Jim. No. I actually maybe met him once. It was a, a golf tournament on Long Island. At okay. A charity event there. Yeah, he was there. Shh. shh, shh. Hush. hush. And, he, and he said hello, friend. <laughs> it's just it's the only thing he knows how to say. I said hello, Jim. <laughs> this is uncomfortable now, Jim. <laughs> Nice. Yes. Any predictions for the Masters? Well, um, uh, I'm gonna golf. You know, I'm gonna golf pool. It's a major golf pool, so you pick the majors and the TPC. You know, if you got five bucks, the office pool is right well, in front of started, you here though. too. I, yeah. I, I still take VJ, and so you take you, you only take the guy, same guy once. Unless he wins, you can take him once more. So it's the majors plus TPC. You just take the money they won and they add it. That's your standings. So yeah. you know, their actual money is your is the standing. So I I went with I went with Rory. He's got to win eventually the career Grand Slam. He just seems one of those christened athletes that will do that. Uh, take him every year. Took DJ. You know when he's on, I think he can't beat him. Took Spieth. His record is so good. They're a little nervous lately about his putting, but his record there is so good. And I could see him winning his second, kind of young young in his career. For sure. Yeah. And then you know the fourth one. I, I you know, obviously you could take Tiger. He's Good at the course. Phil, Bubba. Probably should have taken Bubba because you don't take Bubba at any other major, really. But I went with uh, Russell Henley, someone a little different mm-hmm. that kind of separate you from the field. Yes. And I saw it's like 180 people in this in this one, and most people took Justin Rose. He was the leader and took people taking. I almost took him, too. He's playing well. Game s- suits him there. But So those are my four guys I'll be rooting for. Yes, thank you. <laughs> at Augusta. Yes. Yeah. Normally reserve Augusta crowd. <laughs> She's going wild, but it's young. Cinderella. He's got he's got 152 yards. He's got he's got about a four right. <laughs> this young Cinderella. Former <laughs> greenskeeper about to become 
Masters Jam. And then when Jim ramps it up for moving day <laughs> on Sunday at the Masters. You're not going to believe what you're seeing. 58-year-old Jack Nicholas in the lead. 76-year-old Jack Nicholas has entered on a Saturday and somehow is nine under par. Coming up next on CBS. His grandson hits every other shot. We're not sure if it's fair, but it's Jack. We're going to let it go. I believe they're playing a two-man scramble. Tony Finau has dislocated both ankles and is crawling up to the green. Leads by one. <laughs> Bucci, thanks for coming thanks, in, man. John. It's fun, Great guys. Catching up. Love Minnesota. Love Minneapolis. Love St. Paul. This is really one of the most underrated cities in America, and it's, I love always coming here. Thank you for validating us. We believe that as well. Enjoy the Frozen Four. I will. Cold. Uh, yeah, tonight, UMD Ohio State at, at 5 o'clock ESPN2. Then yep. after that, 8.30 Michigan and Notre Dame. And then the winners collide 6.30 local time here on ESPN on Saturday. All yeah, right. It's going to be a good one. Can't right. wait, boys. Right on. Thank John you. Butcher Gross. Dave's got some stuff coming up. What do you got for us next? Celebrating a silver anniversary. What in the hell was John Cruck doing? And another violation of baseball's unwritten rules. And Lou Nanny at 11 o'clock. Roy Smalley, 11.30. Phil Mackey. The term closer is antiquated now. Your best reliever oftentimes isn't being saved until the ninth inning. Judd Zolgad. The catch, rule, and porn are the same thing. I know them when I see them. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Stuff you should know about is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on quali- qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Dave Harrigan, did you mention the name John Cruck? I did mention the name John Cruck. I haven't heard Crucky's name in quite some time. Well, you clearly weren't on Facebook yesterday then, were you? Uh, that would be a no. Because the Phillies game was being broadcast only on Facebook. It was not on TV, from what I understand. Uh, you had play-by-play guy. I'm not sure who was there. Uh, but Scott Braun was Scott the Braun. MLB okay. Network play-by-play guy. Okay, yes. and then it was Cliff Lee in the booth along with Crucky. And there was a little rain delay. A little rain delay. You looked at me very surprised there, Joe. Oh, Cliff okay? Lee, I, did, I didn't know that Cliff Lee had gone into broadcasting. Well, he's why. actually been on TV for like five years with MLB Network and maybe some ESPN. He's pretty good. Really? I completely missed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah so they're talking about, you know, well, back when you were playing, yeah, how did you spend the time during the rain delay? How did you pass the time in the clubhouse? And Cliff Lee just says, ah, you know, just, yeah, you know, send some text messages, you know, play some games with the other uh, teammates. Yeah, normal kind of stuff. John, how about you? Well, I, you know, I know we're not censored here, but I can't tell you what I did during rain delay. <laughs> wow, it was, it was that? No, I'll tell you after the game's over. I can't mention it now. Let's put it this way. I wasn't watching any video of any pitcher. No. Oh, my. That was, that was key. So, oh my, that's great. let's play. What do you think John Cruck was doing? Yeah. By the way, I thought you meant Cliff Floyd. Cliff Lee is new to broadcasting oh, for okay. sure. Yeah, right. Cliff Floyd I knew. Okay. Um, boy, there's so many options. I mean, could he be playing, is it okay if my dog licks it off? Judd? Oh. Um, he's probably watching some some classic movies. Um, like... Debbie does Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that one, maybe. Um, That would be my only guess. Huh. 
You know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, hard pass on the off-the-air explanation from John Crook there, too. You guys, I'll tell you when we're done. You know what, buddy? That's okay. That's just fine. <gasps> Leave it up to the imagination. 25 years ago today, boys. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked in. The referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Happy silver anniversary to Chris Webber. I remember where I was. I remember exactly where I was at that moment. Where were you, Judge? You're going to be shocked. Fritz? Nope, I was not at Fritz. You're going to be shocked. Bunnies? Nope, 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 nope. The local. You're not going to get it. Main Street? And it's closed now. Nope, you're guessing current establishments, and it's not a current establishment. Bullwinkle's on campus. Oh, how about that? I was Wait, at Bullwinkle's Bull is not closed. I thought it's closed again. It's it's again? opened and closed. Well, the original Bullwinkle's closed like five, six years yeah. ago. Then it reopened. Are and I thought it closed again. I thought it closed again. But anyway, it's I like was a at monthly Bull- deal there. Whatever. Okay. I was watching it on a small screen up in, in the corner because that's all it was 25 years ago. You know what the irony of that is? You know who your bartender probably was? Oh, Mr. Fun. Mr. Fun. He, he mm-hmm. probably was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, on, the, uh, on the new ESPN show this morning, uh, Get Up, Greeny, Beetle, and Jalen Rose. They had Jalen breaking the play down piece by piece, oh. you know, with the telestrator. And he's going through it. All right, Weber gets the ball. He could have passed here. Instead, he walked, but they didn't call it. Wow. So he brings up the floor. Look at this guy. He's wide the bleep open, and he can make that shot. But Weber, just, he's breaking the whole thing down. And eventually, you know, I don't blame him. You know, he was flustered. We all would have been flustered. But, yeah, you totally blame him. Yeah, you are totally like- it, it, it's like top five most flustered an athlete has been in a key situation. Like a really good athlete has been in a key situation. To travel, to freak out, to, then to get yourself trapped too. Like that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Gary Nicholas Jr., we all know he uh, sunk the hole in one while playing the ninth hole at the par three tournament yesterday at the Masters. Uh, Masters YouTube channel. He was great. <laughs> Uh, but I think what's even better, he was playing with not only oh, he wasn't playing, he was catting, but he hit the ball for uh, Grandpa Jack. But there was also uh, what Tom Watson in the group and Gary Player. I like the Gary Player audio the best. Oh, GT, you're going to love that. You're going to love it. There it comes. There it comes. This guy right in the hole, my man. In the hole. In the hole. In the hole. That's amazing. I could, I was shocked to find out that kid is 15 years old. He's when I saw it, I thought, well, that guy's about 28, 30 years old. He's a big 15 year old. He's huge. Yeah, he's massive. So is he's a prospect of some kind? I mean, you hit you hit a ball like that. It was a natural swing, twirl of the club. Little, uh, I guess not backspin, like it was kind of a slanted. But he looks like he might have. He's 15 years old and hitting shots like that. It's yes. pretty absurd. We have another violation, boys. Another violation. Not again. Uh, you saw Who perhaps Shohei, uh, Shohei Otani hit a bomb yesterday off Corey Kluber, two run shot, fifth inning. Angels, uh, Yankees, or Angels, uh, Indians, excuse me. Well, we now know why that happened. 
That happened in the fifth inning. Just after, with one out in that inning, Andrelton Simmons bunted to break up the no-hitter that Corey Kluber was working on through four and a third. The third baseman was back. Simmons laid it down for a base hit. A violation again of baseball's unwritten oh, rules. The complete audacity to do such a thing. Yeah, it's Did disgusting. The, is Major League Baseball going to go back and take that Otani home run off the board now? They should. There should be a review. Someone there should be a Doge. panel. Someone get to Doge right now. Yeah, find out what he thinks. You know, if Doge is going to keep hitting a bomb per game, I'm no longer going to. I'm, I'm, I'm done criticizing Brian Dozier. You'll for, read Dozier's rules and say, you know what? I agree with all these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Complain about whatever you want if you hit 70 home runs this year. That'd be awesome. Let's wrap this up with Johnny Manziel, a guest on Dan Patrick's show yesterday, talking about uh, if he could have just one mulligan for his NFL career. Guys are good in the NFL because they know film, they study hard, and they work even harder in the offseason. So I, I didn't know that. And, and I feel like if Cleveland did any of their homework, they would have known that I, I was a guy that didn't come in every day and, and watch film. I was a guy that um, didn't really know the X's and O's of, 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 of football. That is amazing. It's just <laughs> another reason. It's just another reason why no matter what he tries to tell you about cleaning himself up, you're like, no. No, don't you know, really, don't really believe so, it. So, elite athletes also work hard and study film, and also try to improve themselves in the off season. Who knew? Good news knew? for for Judd and write that down. Uh, he was asked later in the interview if Canada is an option, and he said absolutely. Playing <sighs> yeah. football in Canada oh. is an option, and he should. And if I'm an NFL team, go prove it in Canada. Go play five years as a starting quarterback in the CFL. Go bring me two Grey Cups, and then we can talk. Maybe. Maybe. No, we'll see. no, no, no. I'm no, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Who knew that they all studied film? I mean, I never realized it's a shocking that. Shocking it's a revelation. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning actually show up and watch film and I mean, eat kale salad. I just salads? thought they went to bars right what? up to, uh, right up until it was time to go to the facility, didn't you? I guess you live and you learn. Oh, uh, Roy Smalley will join us in about 30 minutes to talk some twins ahead of the home opener today. Lou Nanny on the other side of this for his weekly appearance. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.